Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome in, all two guys and a mic listeners. Thank you very much for joining us again on this, well, to us, David Olson and myself on this glorious June 14th. And, uh, you know, every once in a while you, you, you start the show, and, and I'm sorry I'm not in studio. I, I do have uh, other responsibilities, and, and one of them is that I, I am the basically the operations guy. Every time people go on the water at Water Riders, I'm the guy that puts them on. And, uh, Well, today is one of those days, and today I actually have to do it at 11 o'clock, so I can't be in studio, I can't be at two places at one time, it's real important, I have to get these people on safely, and that's kind of important what I'm going to be talking about here in a second. Now, uh, I, I, I'm actually a kayak leader, uh, a tour guide, I put people on the river, uh, I take tours of the city of Chicago, people come with me, if they flip their kayak, I go and save them. You know, I've done this, as a matter of fact, I've done this 14 times since I've been working here at, at Water Riders. And I, I honestly, I don't do it for the glory. I don't do it for anything. But a lot of times, you know, it, sometimes I'll get people in my group. Sometimes it's people that are stupid and they fall in the river and I go and I get them. And, and honestly, I've always thought of all these days in this day of technology and cameras and all this. I was like, I don't know how. I have never even, like, been contacted or somebody sent me a picture or I've seen a picture of me saving any of these people along a very populated river walk of, of uh, the Chicago River. Well, uh, you know, as yesterday, I actually uh, had the only day off I'll have in 20 out of 21 days. And I'm not complaining to people. This is it's freaking spectacular. Uh, I, I love working this much. Uh, but I, I was actually at a mall, believe it or not, with uh, uh, a guy that's actually helped me with my this year, man, stuff. Have a great day. And my mom calls me, and you know my mom. You know my mom calling me. You know I was kind of worried. Who knows what happens? She calls me about you know like once a month, and I just talked to her, and she calls me, and she's like, "Are you all right?" I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "You're not the one. That, are you? Are you the one that almost drowned in the river today?" I'm like, "Mom, what? Does that make any sense?" First, are you? I'm on the phone with her. You know, <laughs> she's wondering if I'm all right, and then if I drowned in the river today. Well, I guess yesterday there were some kayakers who actually pulled a guy that fell into the river out of the river. And, you know, I, I looked up the story right before uh, I called David and we were going to do the show today. And I look, and there's a picture of, like, two people pulling, like, holding a guy up. And there's a guy really, really struggling trying to keep this guy above water. And I look, and the guy's in my kayak. It was one of our renters, and I guess the guys, they come in yesterday, they look, they, which is the best kayak, they go and grab mine, they go out on the river, and all of a sudden the guy is on the cover of the Chicago Tribune in my kayak pulling some guy out of a river. It's just some renters, just some guys that just, not like professional kayakers, not like the guide, nothing, just two people renting a couple, a man and a woman, and they're in the middle of the river, and they're the ones saving people and pulling them out of the Chicago River. You know, every once in a while, you just got to shrug. I don't know what, what makes me laugh most about that was my mom actually calling me 
assuming that I was the one who was drowning in the river. So that shows you how much confidence my mom has in me. Oh, someone's in the river drowning. It must be my son because he's on the river every once in a while, not realizing that, you know, I, I don't take it for granted and I don't take it lightly, but it's highly unlikely that I'll be the one on the drowning end of an incident uh, on the Chicago River. And and then find it out that all the time, and, and, and I'm not trying to be like, I hopefully this doesn't come off as narcissistic. I'm I'm not trying to, but I've always thought, man, you know, I've done some pretty crazy things, and there are literally, like, when we do this, like, right by Michigan Avenue, if I pull somebody out over there, I mean, there are there could be, like, 500 people along the river watching. You know what I mean? And I'll get somebody out, and all of a sudden, you know, I hear a round of applause, and, oh, that was amazing, you know, and I'm like, oh, cool, and I'm like, hopefully one day, and I'll yell, somebody send it to waterriders.com, you know, and I'll scream that. Nobody, nobody. So, uh, but somebody got a real good picture yesterday of our our renters pulling a uh, man out of the river, saving him until the police got to like holding him up. And, and I, I got to be honest, if you're in a kayak, I don't know if it, if you're a listener, you might not know the difference. Like a canoe is higher out of the water; they're a lot more roomier, and you can actually kind of sit or move around, turn around, and maybe even take a step and walk to the other end of the the canoe, uh, but they flip a lot easier than kayaks. Kayaks, you basically have to sit in them. You can't move around. You go a lot faster, and they're a lot less likely to flip over. Well, when we go out on these tours, I try to make sure everybody that's on my tours is extremely, uh, they, they know how to do it. They know how to kayak, and they're doing it properly. And I get, I get a little worried, you know what I mean, because here I am, I'm more concerned whether the, the Cubs are going to come back from a late rally, you know, than I really am about, you know, I'm just joking. I'm not, I'm being joking about it. But anyways, I, I take these people out, and, you know, we have to watch if they flip over. And, I, and if you pay attention, and if you do the right thing, there's no reason why you should flip a kayak, okay? But if you are in a kayak, and you're trying to save a person in the river without a life jacket, and they can't swim, these people are panicking. I mean, they... There's boats going by. There's massive boats that go by. I doubt one of the big ones was going by when this guy was in the water. But I, I could imagine the distress that this person was feeling. So you've got to be in your kayak going and be like, hey, I'm going to save you, but you can't flip me over. Otherwise, it doesn't do us any good. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm really interested to, to get the story from the guys here at Water Riders, actually what happened. But So, that, yeah, that was my kayak company's kayaks that were – and it was actually my kayak that was the person was in that actually was holding the guy up. Hopefully he didn't get a lot of water in there because, uh, you know, I like to have my, uh, my kayak fresh and clean, if you know what I'm saying, David. But uh, I, I don't know what the one that I – honestly, the whole part of the story that I think, uh, you know, maybe there is some mother-son connection. My mom heard the story, and I am kind of connected. That was my kayak. But the simple fact that my mom thought I was the one in the river kind of hurts a little bit, to be honest. I know she's concerned about me, and I feel the love, and I appreciate it. You know, and I've got, I've got a couple health concerns going on. I'm trying to take as much care of that as I possibly can. And, uh, to, you know, so I know that mom's always worried about that stuff. So, uh, I don't know, it's just pretty, I know it's pretty funny. 888 no disasters, all disasters averted on the rivers yesterday for Chicago baseball teams. Well, they couldn't avert disaster. It's been pretty much that all season for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, first place White Sox, though. 
lose a one nothing uh, baseball game. Jake Peavy pitches uh, extremely well again. He's just having a phenomenal comeback season for the for the Chicago White Sox. And if he continues to pitch like a, a number one pitcher like he has so far all year, uh, the White Sox have a legitimate chance uh, to not only keep uh, holding on in the first place for the rest of the season, actually do something in the playoffs if uh, if they can hold on now. Lance Lynn of the Cardinals. My goodness. I just, this guy right now is 10-2. and two. His ERA is 2.4-something. He's just been absolutely remarkable. You know, all these years he's been kind of average. You know, he's been under Dave Duncan's tutelage, the greatest pitching coach possibly ever in the history of the game of baseball. And, you know, they turned him into a starter this year. Dave Duncan's gone, and, and all of a sudden he blossoms. You know, I don't know how the Cardinals do it, but it's like every time they lose somebody, whether it's in their front office or major players, something like that, they seem to replace them. Uh, they've had all types of injuries in their pitching staff this year, so they moved Lancelin up from a uh, uh, a decent middle reliever, and now he's having possibly the the best pitching season in all of baseball this year. Most, I think in the National League, you would have to say he'd be the Cy Young Award winner right now. I know there's a bunch of people up for that, but when you're 10-2 and two on June 14th, you know, that's that's pretty darn good. I mean, that's, he's on pace to win like 23 or 24 games. It's a long season. That's a long way to go, but that's... I mean, that's a heck of a lot of wins so far this season uh, for Lance Lynn. And he was able to shut down the White Sox yesterday. Uh, the Cardinals have a really, really good defensive team, uh, out of, uh, like they always do. But this year, it's uh, another good one. It was an example yesterday. So, uh, Well, the White Sox have to deal with a little uh, issue with Adam Dunn. He's a little bit banged up. Their bats have slowed down a little bit. They were really, really hot for uh, for a long time. The last like uh, five or six games, they haven't been hitting as well. They have to figure that out. If they keep on getting pitching like they have been, uh, the hitting will come around. They don't have to worry about that. Now, with Chicago Cubs, oh, man. Watching yesterday's game was a little bit like watching Little League Baseball every once in a while. I mean, I don't know how many extra bases the Tigers got just because of, I know it's aggressive base running, but the Cubs just either falling asleep, lack of knowing what's going on, uh, like not knowing situations in the game. I, the Tigers, that wasn't the difference in the game, but that was just another one of the things that piled up and added to an 8-4 to four Tigers win over the Chicago Cubs. It's the little things about the Chicago Cubs that are really absolutely killing them. And it is, this is the time of year that I, you know, I try to tape the Cub games. I read as much about them as I can. Uh, I, any game that I'm not – if I'm not on the river in the uh, leaving the tour guide – I am watching Chicago Cub baseball or doing something proactively Chicago Cubs. And one thing I didn't realize, if you would have asked me, I would have been like, yeah, I know they're horrible in, in one-run games. The Cubs have been bad so far. I didn't realize it was this bad, folks. I know yesterday was a four. It was a, it was a, a four-one. Okay. They, they won by four. They lost by four yesterday. When they won by one the other day, that ended a 12-game losing streak of one-run ball games. Okay, that's not a coincidence. That just basically means that they can't do the little things right. And one little play here, one little play there, if the Cubs don't make it or mess up in any of those little situations, they're not good enough and they lose. That's unheard of. How do you lose 12 consecutive 1-1 games? Don't you accidentally 
you know, tie it back up and steal a win out every every once in a while. And I do know that there's late scoring and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, typically baseball games are close. And every single team in baseball right now when they're playing the Cubs, and I, and I do realize this, this season isn't about uh, how many wins the Cubs get. It's about how much better are they on opening day 2013. That's, that's what the key is with this season. But as a Chicago Cup fan, as we're trying to figure out who's going to be on the roster in 2013, it would be nice to see a team that can catch the ball and, and hit the situations and all, the, and all that other crap that we'd want out of a baseball team. And obviously we're not getting any of that now. And if you continue to, if they continue to play baseball the way they have, there's going to be some of these guys like, I guess maybe Starlin Castro is like the, you're thinking about who you're going to keep around long term. You know, this team ends up losing 110 games. Does like Starlin Castro like be labeled a loser? And you know, those Tigers that lost 119 games uh, back in like it was like 2013. There were only a couple of them. I mean, like two or three of them around by 2016, uh, 2016, 2006 when the Tigers went to the World Series. The Cubs are, they're not going to lose 119 games, folks. That's not what I'm, what I'm saying, but it's one of those years where they're, they're historically bad. And, you, you know what? Coach joked around and said they're, they're on pace to lose 120 games earlier in the year. And I know that right now they're on pace to lose about 110. I do think they will step it up a tiny bit, but at this point of the year, if, Anybody is out there, and they should have no old guys out there. they got to do whatever they can to move up on the story. I know, I know that's absolutely impossible. But as I watch these games, it, it is kind of laughable how they lose games. And there are some players I don't want to get – I don't want these players to get scarred through all this, but I don't know. Maybe the scar tissue will build up and it will eventually get some character out of this. So, uh, like, if Junior Lake doesn't end up being the Cubs, superstar second baseman of the future like he's supposed to, and Darwin Barney's still around here being a guy that hits 285 and is a very good defensive player. Well, if there's other players around him, you know, that's good, but uh, we have to start getting them. We need to see some progress, and hopefully over the next couple weeks, Dempster, Ryan Dempster, waves his no-trade clause, and he decides to play for a contender the last two years of his free agent deal because, you know, if you get one win in the playoffs next year, and all of a sudden, Ryan Duster signed in a, uh, you know, like a, a four-year, $55 million with some club that, you know, totally overpays for him. So, uh, Ryan Duster, please waive your no-trade clause, and hopefully you're winning a World Series somewhere this year, and the Cubs get a couple prospects for you. Uh, baseball. At, at, at this point in time, uh, as, as a Chicago Cup fan, you know, I knew it was going to be a hard season. I, I, I am extremely happy that I am – ridiculously busy at this point because uh, if if I was hanging on every single pitch like I typically would as a Chicago Cup fan if I if, like when I'm not as busy as this I'm, I would have pulled my hair out if I had any right now and obviously I, I don't have any here because it's been gone a long time ago I've been a Cup fan since 1972 so stuff like that definitely happened 888 there's two guys in the mic. The coach, John Cohn, coaching up a basketball camp, and that's why we call him coach, because he is a coach and he coaches us. So he's actually going to be back on Monday. It's going to be me again tomorrow in studio. That I'm definitely going to get done. So uh, 
I'll be in studio tomorrow, and uh, typically I'd much rather be in studio because I can't even imagine what David Olson is going through uh, right now, you know, trying to listen to me for a whole entire hour without me being in studio. It makes it a little bit more difficult. So 888-463-6748. And, David, have you heard from our guy, Triple H? He's going to be our next guest today on, on Two Guys in the Mic. He's actually on the line right now, Joel. Heck, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, folks, I have a, a very special friend, uh, and the best thing I can tell you about Triple A is he knows the sport, and he's also a, a Michigan guy, and Triple uh, A has some phenomenal stories. And plus, he's a Michigan guy that moved to Chicago, so he knows the Detroit-Chicago uh, rivalry, and it's, it's kind of weird because I have a lot of friends that are Tiger fans, and I, I have no animosity towards the Tigers, but these same fans uh, are fans of the Lions and the Pistons, and that's, then that's where our friendship ends. Okay, but now Triple uh, A is down in Miami, but he also worked with me at Nike Town. And one of our favorite segments, uh, our fa- one of our favorite segments on uh, whether it be the morning break or two guys on the mic, has always been post encounters of the shoe kind. And it's always me telling some whacked out story that happened serving the celebrities and athletes uh, of the world at Nike Town. And today it's going to be Triple A that is actually going to share some of those particular stories with us. So joining us on the line is the one and only AAA, Aaron Mishler. Aaron, it is very good to have you uh, on the airwaves. It's been a while since we talked. And and you are, you and my guy, Brian Baxter, are the two most knowledgeable basketball fans that we have on these airwaves. So I'm glad that you're here during the NBA Finals, my brother. Hey, I'm glad to be on the show, Joel. How are you, sir? Uh I'm doing really well. Uh, I don't know. I guess you can tell I have a, I'm have. i a little jealous that some person was able to save somebody out of the river yesterday in my kayak, and I wasn't the one who got to do it. So. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> uh, well, what were you doing? Why weren't you available to do something? Well, uh, they were two renters. Okay. I, I had my only day off, and I'm figuring it. I said 20 out of 21. I'm thinking it might be more like 24 out of 25. I had a day off yesterday, and there was some renters, and I guess we weren't that busy. They, they took, the guy took my kayak. I know he's the best one that we have. And I, there's a picture on the cover of the Tribune of some guy pulling this, pulling this guy up while he's in the river in my kayak. I'm like, are you serious? And I, I just, you know, it just cracks me up a little bit. Of course, you know, now we, we can move on from that, but. I was a little bit, uh, I'm just happy nothing, nothing, nobody got hurt and everybody's okay. Yeah, well, I'm sure you had a great day off, uh, nonetheless. So just be glad that you weren't, uh, dragging somebody out because that may have been a situation where he pulled you into the water. Oh, no, I'm really good at pulling up when I, before I let these people touch my kayak, I'm like, you flipping me over isn't going to be any better for either one of us. I was like, and I was like, I will keep you afloat. You cannot flip my kayak, and it's amazing how many people are like, okay, okay. Seriously, and because, you know, people are they're delusional, they're crazy. But I will make sure I, like, make eye contact with them before I get up onto them and let them pull my kayak in. And I have a paddle, and I, all you got to do is just smack them with it if they start, like, trying to flip you over. Yeah, so it's always good to have an attitude adjuster, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, have, you have a seven-foot-long paddle. People tend to listen to you a little bit more than if you just ask them to do something nicely. You know, please don't flip my kayak. doesn't work as much. If you flip my kayak, you're going to lose an eye. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I love it, dude. Love it. 
Okay, well, now you're down in Florida, my friend, and uh, you've been a part of, you lived in Michigan, you lived in Chicago, and you were a Tiger fan going to 25 Cup games a season. I was, was 20, Maybe not that many, but you lived right next to the ballpark, literally, like right next to the ballpark. Uh, I always found it like, kind of strange how many Tiger fans and Michigan fans frequent Wrigley Field. Would, would you agree with that? Is it that it's strange that there's so many that go to Wrigley Field or live by Wrigley Field? Well, they're both. They're both. I, I, honestly, if you go into Wrigley Field, on the, 10% of the people there are originally from Michigan. I'm talking like on a Tuesday afternoon. 10% right. are originally from Michigan and are truly Tiger fans at heart. And they've adopted the Cubs as like their secondary team, and they just love going to Wrigley Field. I'm not kidding. There's a mess. I know so many guys like you and others. I know you do, too. How many people do that? Like our Michigan, like our Tiger fan, but our last secondary Chicago Cup fan. Well, you know, what's funny about that, Joel, is I lived across that stadium for, what, 14 years? At least, yeah. I truly never really adopted the Cubs as my second team. I just liked the ballpark, number one. I mean, if uh-huh. I'm a baseball fan, you know, no no gigantic jumbotron, so you had to pay attention to the game. And, hey, I like drinking beer like anybody else watching baseball games. So, yeah, it's an awesome beer garden. And any time that you can uh, really see the Tigers play in that stadium, because the last time that I went was the first time that they had been there since the 45 World Series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that's like a matchup that you want to want to see on television, but if you live less than a block away from the stadium, heck, yeah, you go and watch it. But, you know, there's so many people that have transplanted and adopted Chicago as their new home that, you know, for people that live, that grew up in Illinois, it, that may seem a little strange, but if you're not from uh, Chicago, you meet so many people that really aren't from there that have moved, and that, that's just what it is. And I really never changed my loyalties. So I'm still diehard Tigers fan, and uh, wow, are they in the tailspin this year. Yikes. <laughs> well, you know, I, I really believe people shouldn't be changing their allegiance whatsoever. I, I will always be I totally the, the agree. Fourth. Totally agree. I mean, you know, n- now that I'm down here in Miami, you know, I, I sort of have kind of taken on the, the heat a little bit just because I like LeBron. But, I mean, they're not my favorite team by any stretch. But I think that you should, just because you move, you don't have to adopt a team where, where, where your new hometown is. You can pay attention to them, but I still think you should retain your loyalty on the teams that you grew up with. Yeah, I, I thoroughly agree. There's a real good chance that I'm going to be living in Florida for about four months. Because uh, okay, so the the owner of our the owner of my company is freaking awesome, and he he's starting up another kayak company. He wants me to run that one in our off season, so it's going to be down in Florida, and I'm probably going to do it for like four months and then come back to Chicago. So I'll probably work like ten months a year, take the other two months off. And uh, well, it, it tells you that it's off of five ninety five, and you have to do it down Alligator Alley. Decline the offer, job, Joel. I am not getting any kayak where there's even a possibility that an alligator is going to be uh, anywhere near me. Trust me. It's, yeah, I asked them to buy land in Hawaii, and they were like, no, it's too dangerous. Trust me. They're not putting me anywhere where their insurance is going to go up because of alligators. Trust me. Yeah, I was going to say that your booth would have like a grand opening, grand closing sign is what it should be. 
<laughs> First trip, you don't come back. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'll be back. I will, we will definitely be back. Yeah, we're, I mean, that's only for a couple months, but, like, I don't care where I went, I would always be, like, the true blue, I always, I would never change. Now, I, I will say, I ask you this. Now, I, I, we get this impression that people in Miami are the most hangers-on uh, or, uh, or, how do you say, I should say hangers-on, um, bandwagon fans in America, if you've them or Atlanta. Now that you live there, is it true? They turn on LeBron and Dwayne Wade in a heartbeat if they have a bad game. Uh, it, it, it's absolutely true. Um, and the reason that that is, Joel, is a lot of people that, that live, especially in Miami, aren't even, you know, definitely aren't from Miami. They're either uh, nationals that have moved from Puerto Rico, Cuba, wherever, South America, somewhere and uh-huh. kind of transplanted themselves. So they didn't even really grow up watching basketball. The last national from Puerto Rico was Avon Rodriguez, by the way. Did you mean Washington huh. National? Well, um, are we having a quiz at the end of this segment? No, I was just, never mind. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, there's, <laughs> a lot of, there's a lot of... There's a lot of... You're right, though, about Miami. There's a lot of people, like kind of like Chicago, where there's a lot of people that move there from other places. Well, the, the other, the bigger issue that that is kind of hard to grasp is the fact that, you know, you live in a tropical climate and you're so close to the beach. There's so many other things to do down here um, besides sitting indoors watching a basketball game that include women barely wearing anything that are wandering around on the beach that it's very easy if LeBron and D-Wade don't play well, you switch your loyalty to something else. Yes, uh, you know... Uh... When you have a friend named Lolita that wants to go salsa dancing with you, you know, the the idea of watching Chris Boss take 18-foot jump shots doesn't really excite me. Yeah, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but that's pretty easy math to <laughs> make that decision. <laughs> you know, uh, with, yeah. the, with the NBA Finals. As, as the series have progressed between Indiana to Boston to now OKC, is that uh, back team uh, stock has rise, has gone up and down, dictated on how well, how well they play from game to game these uh, bandwagon fans because they skin their knees up so bad jumping up onto the bandwagon. We do band-aids, stuff like that to uh, make sure that they look right. <laughs> oh, man. It's, uh, I, I just crack up. There, there, there's playoff games that aren't sold out. I, I just can't imagine that ever happening in, like, the city of Chicago or the, or the Lakers or pretty much anywhere. That If you have a favorite for an NBA championship and they don't even sell out all their playoff games, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's just mind-boggling. Well, what, that it, what happens, Joel, is that the, the tickets down, down here are honestly, like, they're unbelievably expensive. I mean, you're talking... Uh, Three fifty on to five hundred for like third level, so far away from the court. Why do you even want to go? Sort of seats for three hundred fifty dollars. Understand why? What's that? For three hundred and fifty dollars? Yes. Oh my goodness, that's horrible. They're totally they're jacking their fans over for those bad seats. You can't pay that much for horrible seats. It, yeah. So I mean, like the diehards that want to go to the games. They're the people that suffer more than anybody else. So the people that really like want to spend, you know, the five grand, 
eight grand to sit courtside, they don't worry about it. So they're just going to go and they're going to be there anyway. But that's all right. If you look at the home court advantage between Miami and Oklahoma City, it's just like, hey, what is there to do in Oklahoma City? Seriously. Of course that place is going to be crazy. There ain't anything else to do there but watch a basketball game or go to a rodeo. Um, I'm just glad you didn't say cow tipping because that's so cliche. Yeah, I didn't want to go there. But okay. if you come down to South Beach, there's so much more to do than to, hey, you know what, do you feel like uh, spending 500 bucks to watch an NBA game for three hours or do you want to go do something else? You know, so I, I think that's what the biggest issue is. And, and how intimidating is it truly to have a crowd of people wearing white T-shirts, a white out? That's stupid. You know, well, it, it works for Penn State. What's that? It works for Penn State. Really? Yeah. Okay, maybe it has in the last couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I forgot. Uh, well, when, when was the last time they were relevant in football? <laughs> <laughs> well, the only time they've been relevant in the news the last 10 years is, uh, you know, what's going on now, but uh, we digress. Now, before I get into the finals and stuff, I want to go back to, like, the city of Miami. Have you had a chance to go to the to the new ballpark yet, the baseball field? You know what? I haven't. I have not. Um, uh, I've talked to a couple of people that have gone. They said it's nothing short of awesome. That's cool. That's cool. Now, do they have easy public transportation there? Uh, please don't, yeah, that, please don't. The, the transportation there is it, it's okay to get there, but, I mean, in terms of just the parking in general in that area, pretty simplistic. It's pretty easy. Okay. I just wanted to know if they had a train that would take me from, like, South Beach to the stadium. Train to the South Beach to the stadium. Um, you know what? Not not a hundred percent, Joel, because I haven't gone to a game yet. So because I, I refuse to go to a ballpark with anybody who's driving, because when I go to a ballpark, Aaron, let's just say the only thing that people should be driving is somebody in a wheelbarrow. You know what I'm saying? That people should not be driving home in ball games that I that they attend with me. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, any time that you can get into double digits in terms of uh, cocktailing, you know, during a game, you know, it's impressive, number one. It's not safe for anybody, number two. We, uh, see, I want to get, I want to get, uh, seats right by the fish tank, okay, and then play the drinking game. You have to drink every time Ozzie swears. Yeah, it, it, the, the hardest part about that, Joel, is not being able to get through the top of the first. Okay, well, because we also say if he swears in Spanish, you drink double. <laughs> well, you may not even get through the second batter then. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I really do want to go to that that, that ballpark because uh, I, I, if you make a ballpark now, you really truly have to say let's do something completely different. And they went so far, Aaron. They went so far, and they stayed so steadfast with we're going to be just so goofy and South Miami-ish, South Florida-ish, that I'm like, you know what, it, it, to me, it's, it's like pleasing. I'm like, oh, you know, it, it's okay to have like a joke of a ballpark. You know what I mean? It fits. And I'm not making fun of it, but kind of like, hey, uh, we realize we're South Miami, so we have to put goofy colors up that no other ballpark is going to have. None. No. We're going to have stuff like fish tanks, and we're going to have women walking around in bikinis. And if you find that offensive, you have to realize that this is one city in America that basically you go into restaurants and you have women in bikinis serving you drinks and food. So it's 
it's Miami, so they might as well do it. And I thought it was one of the best ideas, and I can't wait to go down there. Even that uh, the Pablo Picasso attempt at a home run wish was smart, number one, because I think that they ended up getting tired of watching their games on television, and most of their uh, fans dressed up as empty seats. And that doesn't yeah. really translate very well on television. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you don't really want to go out there. It doesn't look too festive. Because I think what they've done is I think that they have, like, I want to say it's like a three-year deal, and they've basically just pushed all their chips to the middle of the table and said, hey, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go completely opposite end of the spectrum. If it works, great. If it doesn't, hey, you know what? Baseball in South Florida isn't going to work. I think that's what well, 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 they just invested a half a billion dollars in a stadium. I don't think it's a three-year deal. And what, after that, do they just give up after that? But, I mean, really, they oh, built that stadium. They, you can't give up in three years. Hey, hey, I'm telling you, I mean, all you got to do is go, you know, just start going about four mi- four hours, you know, north and look at the Devil Rays. They're actually a really good team. You know, and they have a hard time selling seats during the regular season, too. So, yeah, and that's a dump of a ballpark, though. Uh, it is. It is, but they have a good product, though. So, you know, it's kind of hard to say. Just like, do, do you want to have a great experience or a good product? You know, the idea is to have both. But even if you have a really good team, you know, they still can't sell tickets down there just because there's other things to do in this in that climate. You know, and you're and you're exactly right. Because let's face it, this I, I know the whole Cuban and Ozzy Guillen, Fidel Castro uh, statement did not help, but I don't think it hurt that much. And in the first year of a stadium, you get the rush of hey, let's go to the brand new stadium because let's go see it. You know what I mean? And yeah, and the the, Mar- the Marlins spent money and they were supposed to be good this year, so you also have hey, let's buy tickets because the team's going to be good. Okay, they, they didn't start out great, but they've been awesome lately, and they're winning, and people still aren't going. They're never going to go at this point. They will never go. I don't think that they're ever going to go, but also, you know, you still have the heat, you know, and basketball is really definitely more on the, the front burner, you know. So until that season really ends, then the baseball is going to be the only thing that's in town. There's only, there's only one team in that city that if they win – is a guaranteed sellout, and everybody loves them, and it's the Miami Dolphins. Oh, without question, Joel, without question. I mean, it, it, it's certainly it's way more a football, football city than it is anything else. Uh, uh-huh. And plus, you get, you know, that hard knock. You get Ryan Tannenhill's uh, wife, you know, that's going to be on there. She's going to really kind of uh, uh, make, make that a series something uh, special to watch. You know, I, I am not a big Tannehill fan. I can't believe he was picked. So high that's way it's way too risky to risk that pick. But if he's got a wife like he has, do you think that's like what the Billy Bean philosophy of uh, make sure they have a winner as a as a significant other? Do you think the Dolphins are thinking that like, hey, uh, Tannehill's wife has, so he's probably a leader? Uh, it, it's possible, but some of the moves that they've made in the last ten years really kind of make you scratch your head. I'm I'm not really sure what they think they were thinking, what they were doing. Uh, well, Gloria Stefan is in charge of player uh, personnel now, so that's an issue. In, in what way would that be an issue? <laughs> I, I didn't even know that she was a singer. I just thought that she's been in the NFL her whole life. Yeah, I had no idea. What, I forget what's wrong. I honestly... 
can't name one Gloria Stefan song anymore. Even though I know one, two, three, four, come on, baby, say you love me. That's that's the Gloria Stefan song, isn't it? I think so. I think so. That was a really good uh, rendition of it, too. Really, maybe I should uh, quit the sports talk and get into singing. I I, I have drive. I have ambition. If there's one thing you should have, buddy, it's passion. (laughs) <laughs> the, wave, the, the radio, without a doubt. <laughs> okay, now, okay, forget about the city of Miami now that you're, that you're, okay, before we move on, what's the, what's the best part about Miami that living there so far, and what's the, what's the worst part, and what cliche is true? Those three questions. Uh, best part, uh, definitely the scenery, w- w- without a doubt. I mean, that never gets old. Uh-huh. The worst part, um, you know, I hate the winter, so, I mean, I deal better with hot weather more than anything else, but, I mean, when you jump in your car and it says 115 in your car, that, that's all sorts of hot. So, that's, okay, that's not yeah. so fun. <laughs> that's not so fun. Right. I mean, there's names to eat for a reason. Was... And then a cliché. <clears throat> Um, I, I don't know. I think that, you know, that, that you have the chance that if you're just walking along on the beach front that some crazy guy may tackle you and bite your face off. It actually happens down here. Yeah, I, I actually, I have not. Do they have footage of that? Yeah. I haven't seen it. I, I don't know if no, I'm ready to watch, watch it. it. Have they Did figured out, was that guy on drugs or anything? What, have they found out the backstory of that? Um... I I think that they probably know, but I don't think that they're talking about it as much because I think it has something to do with that whole bath salt, that synthetic drug that makes people just kind of lose their minds. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Yeah, that that story is just unbelievable. But um, the the cliches, um, you you know, there's not really not anything that's bad uh, in terms of just living down here. I mean, the driving down here is pretty crazy. I will say that. I mean, I think that they hand out, you know, driver's license down here. Like, I don't know, they hand out uh, uh, streetwise in Chicago. You know, no, no, you're exactly right about that. I, I don't know if you if you met her, but I had a, I had a girlfriend last year. Okay, and her ex husband refused to let her get a driver's license. She's like, you're gonna, he's like, you're gonna kill somebody, and refused to quit giving her driver's license. So she went to Florida to go get a driver's license because that's where all of her and her Filipino friends go. They all go to all of, all of her Filipino friends go to Florida and get a driver's license because they're like that's the only state that they can get a driver's license in. And if people, if you think I'm making this up, I am not. Okay, I, I believe you. I totally believe you. That that sounds totally reasonable. They, they, they do just hand out. Oh, you're willing to pay us for the driver? Here you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> It's basically just another source of revenue for them. So people, like, they're attracting people from all of, they're like, hey, half these people leave Florida anyways, so we might as well just uh, sell them a driver's license. That's right. That's right. It's unbelievable. Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that could say is true. And, and I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. So now uh, the cliche of the Heat, you know, play one game good, one game bad. One game bad, one game good. Is that going to go on? Because uh, actually, they played all right in the first game. I'm not going to say that it was lack of execution for the Miami Heat, even though people are blaming 
LeBron for only taking six shots in the fourth quarter, and that's why they lost, even though isn't six shots a lot in one quarter? That's I was, that's one every other minute. That's a lot of shots. We'll see. You know, I, I'm watching that game. That was definitely like a Dickens novel, you know. I mean, Miami played really well in the first half. Oklahoma City played really good in the second half. And Miami looked really tired at the end of that in the fourth quarter, like they just kind of went through a seven-game series. The, the biggest problem, though, is, you know, Bosch needs to start, and he needs to play as much as he can. So as somebody who, you know, broke down and was crying last year after they lost in the finals, regardless of your injury, you know, rings is what you're going to be remembered for. So I would think that he would want to play as much as possible. And Folster's kind of his revolving door lineup during this whole playoffs has been a little interesting. So I think what you're going to see, Joel, is tonight's game is really kind of make or break for Miami. It's, I think it's must win for them tonight to win because I don't see them beating Oklahoma City, you know, four times in really five games if they don't win tonight. Yeah, and, and, and that would, and, and you have to, they would have to win three in Miami. You know, they can't be in that situation where they must, must win three in Miami. Because, uh, because if they have to come back to Oklahoma City and win two, six and seven, that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? They're going to have to hope, uh, they're going to have to hope to steal one out of there. So this is a must win for them. Yeah, the strange part about watching them play is the fact that they play their absolute best games when people count them out. That, oh, yeah, they're done. They're not going to win. When they went up to Indiana and just just throttled them, and then in game six, they blew out Boston on the road. You know, those are two wins that you didn't really see coming, and they played great. The, the problem that I had in the fourth quarter watching the game is Oklahoma City really had an idea of exactly what they wanted to do in the fourth quarter. Miami looked like they were pretty confused as to what was going to happen. Uh, game exactly. four against the Pacers, game six against the against the, the Celtics were great performances, but those two teams aren't the Thunder, Aaron. You know what I mean? That, that so, but I, I don't know if they've been counted out yet. I don't have that feeling. You know what I mean? They they, they haven't had that backup against the wall. Oh, they they were up what nine at half. But my, my point is that I don't see, like, it's not like people are actually giving Thunder credit, which hasn't happened normally. It's, oh, they eat suck, they're choking. I don't feel like that was uh, the feeling coming out of game one. I, I still feel like it's a real, like it's a series where I, I would not be surprised at all the Heat win game two. Yeah, I, I think that they can certainly win game two. I think what they need to do is somebody, somebody has to beat them other than Durant. Whether you double-team him and make Westbrook hit open jump shots, I would live with losing that way than letting Durant go crazy. I mean, putting 17 up in the fourth is pretty difficult to watch, especially, you know, I don't know if Miami has somebody that can truly defend him just one-on-one straight up, you know, where they can just gamble on that working, because I don't think that anybody can really defend him that way. He's prolific, man. He is... He is everything the NBA wanted in a superstar. The guy's a good kid. He shuts up. You know what I mean? He does everything right. And and he's, honestly, you know, when you think about it, he's going to end up going down as one of the greatest scorers ever in the history of the game. And if, if you could be a guy that could be the Carmelo Anthony type where, yes, you get the ball, you clear out, you can score at will, but also 
never, ever feel like you're ball hogging. Dude, I don't ever feel like Durant ball hogs, yet he still has, like, the same style that some of the ball hogs do. Do you understand what I'm getting at, Aaron? Like, the, like Carmelo Anthony is a ball stopper where Kevin Durant is a prolific scorer. And I, I can't explain the difference. It's like he, he, Durant only stops it. I but think he's going to score on you. If the ball goal. stops in his yeah. hands, you're done. Okay. <laughs> so, well, I think the the difference is is like when you watch Carmelo play, he seems like a guy who knows exactly how many points he has at any time during the game. When you watch maybe that's it. Play, yeah, maybe that's it. Like Melo's scoring the score, where Durant's yeah. scoring to beat you. He, he does. Durant can Durant can get any shot that he wants at any time. But what he's done this year is. He's made every big shot that he's taken in the playoffs so far. I mean, he got lucky on the, the first shot. game winner that he had where it bounced up about 20 feet in the air and went in, and after that, it's been all gravy for him after that one. Yeah, it, you know, and the, thinking about it, I think, what, did Harden have five points in the first game? Yes, that's exactly how many he had. Very much. He was an effective ball player. He, had, he was... He was great matchup problems. He wasn't in the shots, but like he he wasn't a hole for the Thunder in that game. Yeah, um, it, you know, I mean, they got gosh. It, I think that it's just going to be an entertaining series. You know, whichever team ends up winning it, I would like to see LeBron get a title just for the fact of, you know, he's the only superstar in the NBA that's held to a standard higher than anyone else has ever been compared to. And the guy is a phenomenal player. I I don't know about that because I remember the first four or five years of Michael Jordan's career when people like me were saying he's the greatest player in the league. And I'm not saying it, but the, and then people like you would say he's in love. Oh, Magic Johnson's the best player. The L.A. Lakers are winning all the titles, and I would say, well, he doesn't have the surrounding cast. Michael Jordan doesn't have the surrounding cast as, Mike, as uh, Magic Johnson does. You know what I mean? We and then people would rip Michael Jordan for not having any title, and finally in the seventh year, he got one, and then everybody had to quit that. So, I, 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 there's other players that have been held to that standard that were like, oh, you're that great. Well, you're if you're that good. If you're greatest of all time, good. Why don't you win titles? And Julius Irving had a little bit of that, too, don't forget, before he won the title in 83. People were like, you can't be that good. But, but he, it wasn't hatred. There was a, there's hatred in the LeBron James uh, version of it. When Jordan was doing it, you know, it, it was just a different, a different way that sports was reported. LeBron does it in the 24-hour news cycle that Twitter, Facebook, text messaging, sports are on all day long where you continuously dissect a player all day, every day. You know, it's just a different way of breaking a player down. And Jordan didn't win his first title to what? He was 27? Yeah, but he was in his seventh season. Okay. It was his seventh so season. He was 27. He was 27. And really, Joel, this Miami project is, what, second year now? Yes. Their second year, they really need a point guard badly. Oh, they had a point guard. They'd be really, really, really good. They'd be a really tough matchup. If they got a legitimate uh, point guard that's really, truly about just getting, the facilitating the offense, oh, my goodness, they'd be a, a dominant team. Dominant. And the thing, the thing that really drives me crazy about watching them play is the fact that they never run a pick-and-roll with Wade and LeBron 
forcing a team to decide who do they truly want to cover, you know, on a pick and roll. What, what Miami loves to do is that just ridiculous isolation and the shot clock gets down to five and then, okay, make a crazy fadeaway jump shot. So you're talking like the I know these are big guys, but the Kevin McHale, Larry Bird pick and roll, which they would just do like four or five times a game, and then McHale would get like a the 15 foot elbow jump shot that he would hit every freaking time. So exactly, well, what ends up happening now is that they, that teams will run multiple pick and rolls now during one singular play, and Miami barely does it at all. Possession. Yeah. You know, watch what Oklahoma City does. How many pick and rolls they run, you know, to get somebody open. So, I just think that you know they're really not using. I think LeBron and Wade because they're almost the same player, and they haven't figured out truly how to be the most effective, especially in a half court set. Yeah, they're they're, they're drivers and penetrators. But we have like the one guy's the finisher, and the other guy is the distributor. But, you know, it would be much better if Dwayne Wade would distribute and LeBron James was a finisher. If they had that as the attitude, oh, my goodness. They would have won 73 games. But I don't think that's... Uh, I don't think that's uh, and especially you know, the season it's, wasn't about winning a ton of games because of how condensed it was. It was just, you know, just get to the playoffs and try and stay healthy. And with Bosch being hurt, you know, because Miami was... I mean, they were, they were beating on Indiana pretty good before Bosch got hurt. And they were playing really good at the end of the season as well. So it, I, I'm looking forward to game two tonight. And I believe that Oklahoma's four-and-a-half-point favorite, if you gamble. And I don't say that it's legal because I don't think that it is. But I, I think that it's going to come down to probably the last possession tonight. And I think Miami's going to win. Okay, well, taking, uh, taking Miami plus the four-and-a-half sounds like a, a pretty good idea for you then, huh? Yeah, yeah, I just think that, um, you know, they've been in the finals before. Oklahoma City, I think, is going to have one of those young moments where someone on that team doesn't understand the gravity of what the finals really is and is going to force a shot or turn the ball over or just do something that experience will teach them not to do. I think that Miami's going to get a game that way. Yeah, they haven't had any of those in these playoffs, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They really have not lost a game by doing something stupid. You're right. You're right. You, you know, when you make huge baskets at the end of games, you know, that makes up for everything, and Durant's been doing that. Yeah, he absolutely has been. So, uh, well, you got to, you have the Miami Heat winning tonight. We'll uh, check it out. I believe what's it, 7 or 8.35 Eastern time out there. Yeah, no, I think at 9, 9 o'clock is when that game starts tonight. Oh, my goodness. So hopefully, maybe I'll be able to see the end of it at the East Bank Club after I get done doing my uh, – I have a bunch of tours to do today. So hopefully I'll be done at 10 and I'll actually get to see the, the fourth quarter. That that would be absolutely phenomenal if I get to watch some uh, NBA finals. Now, watch your playoff game in the fourth quarter. Now, I, I do have a, a story for you, and this one is a little whacked out, Triple uh, A. <laughs> Now, 888-463-6748, uh, thoughts on kayaking in the river, NBA Finals, and also the Philly Fanatic. Now, I read a story yesterday that I actually had to reread twice because I couldn't believe what I was reading. Uh, not about the part of what the Philly Fanatic did, but what the state of Pennsylvania is actually doing to keep the Philly Fanatic's identity under wraps. It's, it's, it's kind of strange. 
but there's a woman, I'm not sure her name, what her name is, but uh, at a hotel party, the Philly Fanatic was there, and she was goofed around, picked the woman up, and threw the woman into the pool while she was in the chair. Okay, well, the woman is now suing, and this was kind of funny because she's saying that she has damage in her neck and her shoulder and her back, and it's affected muscles, nerves, tendons, ligaments, cartilage, bone. You, it, all, all these are listed. Okay, everything one of these is listed, and she's suing the Phillies, the hotel, and the Philly fanatic for, like, an ungodly amount of money. Okay, she's, I'm sure she's trying to, you know, get somebody to settle out of court. But she's actually suing the Philly fanatic. They don't have the guy's name that's in the suit, okay? They actually, <laughs> they actually just have it on the suit, the Philly fanatic, so the guy didn't have to give up his identity. I, 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 how, I, how is this? I mean, I'm like, really? I, I reread it, and, then, and I'm like, there's, like there's, there's two people uh, that play the Philly fanatic. The court has not released their names. So they could remain anonymous, and and even if they were, you wouldn't know which one of the, was actually in the suit when the woman was thrown into the into the pool. So now we know there are at least two Philly fanatic guys, but still they keep this under wraps so much. They didn't even they, the Pennsylvania courts won't even let it out. That's uh. So look, so you, you're a little bit Two people that are the Philly fanatic, at least two. Yes, at least two. Uh, the world is. A less safe place now. Yeah, now that we know that, but uh, so, you know, I haven't even seen this yet. But when I it, maybe I'm wrong, but when when I get lawsuits, that's just somebody got thrown in a pool and was like, "Oh, let me see if I can make a million dollars off of the Philadelphia Phillies." If you would have read everything that's wrong, how could all of this happen from being thrown in a pool? I've been thrown in a pool a hundred times in my life. I've never been hurt. And this woman's acting like she's debilitated permanently. It's permanent debilitation is, is, is what's in this particular suit. Who, who's representing her, Jackie Childs? Uh, it might be Jackie Childs. Don't put a bomb on. Please don't. You can't put a bomb on. Okay, whatever you do. <laughs> Who told you to put the bomb on? Yeah. <laughs> so if that woman put the bomb on, she would have lost the case. She wouldn't have been able to actually solve it. So. <laughs> Uh, gosh. Yeah. And this happened, what, two years ago? Um, it was either last summer or the summer before, but it, it, it's been drawn out, and, like, the, the Phillies, oh. the Fanatic, and the hotel have decided they're not settling. They're going to let it go to court, which I, I'm hoping they win, especially if they didn't do anything. Well, people sue too. for way too many things nowadays. Everybody wants to sue over everything. Come on. You know, you got thrown into a pool. Give her fifty grand, okay, and have her go away. Yeah, that that's nonsense. Uh, or give her a lifetime, or give her like a weekend stay at that hotel that they threw her the pool in. Because <laughs> it brings back wonderful memories. It <laughs> doesn't it. <laughs> oh man. So uh, yeah, I, I've been thrown in many pools. I don't. I have my own pool. I've never thrown one person in that pool ever. Not one time. I, you know, nowadays you throw people in the pool. First of all, you know what she should have said? The first thing that should have been on her list was 
phone damage. That, that you really want to get 12 jurors to actually get on your side? She said, her phone? Her phone got wet? That's how you get Everybody that owns a phone on that jury, they would there would been a $50 million settlement if they just would have, she just would have added funny phone that, damage uh, in between neck order, and back. It would be funny if Law and Order did a reenactment of this. And then you see, have like the actual the mascot, you know, in the courtroom. He's being interrogated. That'd be pretty amusing. <laughs> <laughs> and he can't say anything. He just shakes his head, nods yes and no. <laughs> but yeah, that's, it just doesn't say a word. It, that's, uh, you'd be surprised. Yeah, I mean, so the law and order's got to go to something. You know, they're they're running out of like people getting murdered. I, I would have to say a Philly fanatic throwing that would be excellent. Him on the stand during law and order. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Why don't you call? You have a television show connections for his eyes and shakes his head over back calls like with the um. I can see him doing that. You know, how did you feel? What was your emotional distress and reaction after you knew that you had hurt the woman when you, you threw her into the pool? And and what would be even more amusing, Joel, is that because that person would have to have a jury of his peers, it would be the rest of the mascot. So uh, <laughs> the jury tomorrow pool. we're going to find out which of the mascots will be the jurors for the Philly Fanatic trial on two guys. And I'm like, Aaron Mitchell or AAA, you did a phenomenal job. Thanks, everybody, for listening today. Uh, Triple will be giving us more basketball information on future shows here on Two Guys. And I'm like, see you later, everybody. David Olson, phenomenal job. Come on out the water riders and take a tour with me. Peace out, Triple A.